Welcome back to the Movement Performance Podcast. My name is Don, and with me, as always, is Jess. Jess, how are you doing today? Great. It's 20 degrees out. Got out on my bike. I, know, I honestly debated coming in this morning for this. <laughs> <laughs> so crazy. I mean, yesterday was minus 5, and today is 20 degrees. Um, but the fall colors are, are killing. We went for a great, you know, my classic sort of Spencer Adventure Trail yeah. around there to the waterfall and the peak, and... Um, got all all the views of, yeah actually of, someone uh, commented on my strava is this actually ontario <laughs> <laughs> they're from bc <laughs> yeah yeah i mean that's a fun run because there's some pretty good vert yeah. given the um the distance right but um yeah uh so t- today the goal is to chat about finger injuries specifically mm-hmm. we're gonna kind of differentiate and chat a little bit about the difference between kind of pulley injuries and tenosynovitis right yeah um just we see they can present somewhat similarly but if you manage them you know improperly you manage one as the other we just don't see very good results so just talking through a bit of how to differentiate and then how to manage it i guess Hmm. yeah for sure so um i f- agree they you know one of the big things that sort of um tends to make them present similarly is is that sort of like painful crimping right mm-hmm. yeah um which is which is kind of and also the location of the pain as well right yeah um because both of them you can have that tenderness in that sort of like between the mcp and pip um along that phalanx right and mm-hmm. people always associate pain centrally on the phalanx there with with it being a pulley injury yeah exactly right? So how do you go about differentiating the two then, if that's the case? I guess, should I, should I start with the anatomy a little bit and then dive into like why we'd see each or? Yeah, let's just, do that. Okay. So I guess we'll talk about pulleys first. Mm. So if you have, if you think about your bones and how they have to move, you have muscles and they kind of go into a tendon, which attaches to your bone and that's how the force is transferred and how you see the movement happen. Mm -hmm. So if you think about your finger, you can think of like a string going up. If you were to bend your finger, that string wants to bowstring, Mm -hmm. kind of come away from the bone. Yeah, kind of at every joint that it crosses, right? Yeah, exactly. So the role of the pulleys, it's this thick band of connective tissue, and it helps keep that tendon or that like string down close to the bone. Yeah, it's basically a ligament that creates a tunnel for our our tendons to run yeah, in. exactly. So that's what the pulley is. And then it can get, usually when it's injured, it's like an acute incident and sometimes people can hear a pop. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely heard them before. It's like a gunshot, right? Yeah, it's so loud. <laughs> when, they, when they actually um, blow acutely, um, it's, it's notable. But something that's important to notice, I guess, is that you know, we can have a little bit more of like a chronic onset as well, right? Yeah. Almost like kind of think of it more like a quote, like degenerative style um, pulley injury, right? Yeah, we, we see this a lot either. Sometimes it can happen, well, I found with some patients going back into the gym from outdoors. Mm-hmm. A lot of times if they're climbing hard, I find at the gyms, they can be a lot of like just crimps to mm-hmm. make it hard. Mm-hmm. And then they're just crimping so often as opposed to they're outside and, you know, maybe they're using cracks or like some different styles. Then they go to just crimps all like maybe four or five times a week and it just kind of like wears it down over time. Yeah, I think it's volume as well, right? Yeah. Is that um, in the gym, it's so easy to 
crank super high volume and you know um, that's a whole another discussion whether yeah <laughs> whether whether how valuable some of that volume is um, but I think the big thing that you're sort of getting at is not only can you crank high volume but um, it's kind of for a lot of us a lot easier to sneak into the gym uh, at a high frequency mm-hmm. and not allow appropriate recovery of our tissues yeah exactly so especially for that more like passive tissue we can see recovery normally takes like 48 to 72 hours. So if you have a really hard session and even if you're like hangboarding, then you're like red pointing, then you're going to need some recovery time. If that doesn't happen, you can just slowly wear the tissue down. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so what about tennis synovitis? Um, do you want me to sort of yeah, you can go take through that? that? <laughs> so um, our tendons, um, not only do they have these straps that sort of keep it in place, um, but they also have a little bit of a sheath or a, um, a tube that they slide in. Now, within that, within that tube, you've got a lubricant, synovial fluid. And generally speaking, the, um, what, what a tenosynovitis is, is when you have an excess of compression or friction in that tube and you end up with inflammation and swelling in that area, right? Um, Now, you know, we get swelling and inflammation all over our body and it kind of dissipates pretty pretty quickly with a little bit of movement. Um, The challenging thing with uh, tenosynovitis in the hand and specifically in the finger is that you don't have a lot of overlaying tissue, right? Um, and that overlaying tissue, when you sort of um, open and close, move your move your body, um, that overlaying tissue is what kind of creates intermittent compression to sort of flush that fluid out, okay. right? Yeah. Um, and so once you get inflammation in the in this um, in, like a tenosynovitis, we see that it can tend to be persistent. Now, part of it is what I was just talking about, and the other part of it is that um, people often struggle to identify what the triggers are. Like, what are the things that are irritating this, that are creating compression or, or driving friction in that area? Yeah, I think, like, what I've seen a lot um, with individuals that have this is they'll be like, well, I'm climbing easy, I'm doing a lot of just, like, jugs, um, but the jugs can actually create a decent amount of compression, especially if you're doing like a high enough volume of it at the gym. Totally. And, and volume um, mm-hmm. comes up there again, right? Um, is, is that um, that high volume can be, even if it's on the easy side, can lead to a high, uh, like a lot of friction, right? Yeah. A lot of repetitions, right? A lot of movements that... Yeah can uh, under load that can lead to to more sensitization and irritation and inflammation in that area okay yeah so should we talk about how to maybe differentiate those a little bit yeah so yeah we cooks we already kind of referenced that um that uh both of them are going to tend to be provoked with um with half crimps and crimps right yeah. um and so certainly from a you know, palpation perspective, uh, again, it's going to be fairly similar location. One thing that I would say from a palpation perspective is that with pulleys, you can sort of p- 
poke a little bit more towards the outside of the bone, more towards the attachment points of the of the pulley. So people often think of, you know, the pulley ripping right up the middle, but very often, uh, in fact, more often, the injuries are happening at the bony interface of the pulley. And so you can sort of like palpate at that interface. And if it's more tender there than sort of centrally, then we're going to be leaning more towards a pulley. And that's just from like a palpation perspective, mm -hmm. right? And I think from like a range of motion perspective, normally a pulley is not sensitive or not painful if you kind of pull your finger and bend it backwards. Mm. But a tenosynovitis will normally be painful with that kind of loading because that creates a lot of compression. Yeah, exactly. So you're, you're putting that tissue into a high tension position. Um, and in fact, something that I commonly see in, um, in, in people who have developed tenosynovitis is that they, they often actually have hyper extensible um, fingers where their fingers will actually bow back on themselves quite a bit, <clears throat> which um, similar to what you were just describing can cause additional compression across the kind of heads of the phalanx, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, that that's an important one to identify, right? For people to, to note, oh yeah, I am actually like hyper extendable there because then I found that those are the people that tend to be more um, painful with like kind of passive open yeah. holds, right? Um, you know, and, and those people without even realizing it because often they're like, oh, it's it's a pulley injury. I'm going to be like more open. Oh, it's still, still triggering me. I can't mm -hmm. climb, right? But simply with someone like that, if it's a tenosynovitis, it, just getting them into a bit more of like an active drag position or an active more active yeah. open position um, can go a long way in allowing them to continue to climb um, while um, reducing that kind of unknown trigger yeah. right and i think that's a lot of education on that one because i've had a couple of patients like that and they can climb harder when they go into that position right because they're locking out and just like using kind of the passive structures. Mm -hmm. So when we test their pull strength, they're a lot stronger when that happens. But as soon as you get them to actively engage, mm -hmm. they have a lot harder time. But in the end, just it's going to prevent a lot of injuries and get you stronger in the long run. Totally, especially with, with those hypermobile folks, right? Yeah. Um, taking that, um, that step back and thinking about the long term, uh, the long game for climbing. And uh, yeah, I mean injury prevention is it goes it goes a long yeah. way in 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 reducing uh or in improving your sort of acceleration as a climber yeah yeah um i think the other difference like we briefly touched on it like the half crimp versus the open usually pulleys it's like you know full crimp is the worst then half crimps the second worst and then opens not too bad mm -hmm. whereas the tenosynovitis sometimes they're more closely related it's not as like clear cut totally yeah yeah definitely um using like the tin deck for example or some sort of force gauge um that that can you know with, with a pulley it, it can vary especially if you do like isolated finger analysis where you're like cool we're only gonna do your you know d3 your middle finger and and you go like full cramp and you're like oh i can barely put like five pounds on it and then like half cramp is more like you know 15 and then open they're like 
whatever, yeah. 40 or, you know, like it's, it, and that, that'd be more for like a pulley injury. Whereas, mm-hmm. you know, as you said, especially with those isolated finger analysis in those, in, in more of a tenosynovitis, it's going to tend to be a little bit more uniformly uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Have we missed any differences you can think about? Uh, I think those are kind of the, the key ones. Um, you know, the interesting one is that, that you sort of uh, rightfully brought up was the idea of like climbing on jugs and how that compression can actually be problematic for, for a tenosynovitis. And I would tend to say that depending on like the sort of like um, compression point, it, it can be similar for, for pulleys as well. Yeah, right? that's very true. You know, but... Um, I often see with both injuries, people will just climb easier and it's, but then a lot of times too, they'll be like down climbing because it's easier, which we know is more load on the pulley. So totally. Yeah. So that eccentric loading of down climbing, Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's an important piece to note for sure about the pulley aspect. And I guess that's starting to get more into the, into the management aspect. So why don't we like chat a little bit about, so let's assume you've identified, okay, I've got a, I, I've had a pulley injury. It's acute. What's, what's my move? Where, how do I, how do I go forward? It's like, depending on the grade, you would want a period of like immobilization mm-hmm. to kind of let things thicken up a little bit and heal a little bit. Right. Um, and then from there, we'd start like kind of three times a day, sub symptom threshold, open isometrics. Mm-hmm. Um, again, we're starting to try and like load that structure because mm-hmm. it needs load to help it kind of like, I don't want to say get thicker, but you know what I mean? Start laying down more tissue and to adapt. Get, yeah. Yeah. To adapt to, to that. And then if that's going well, we can start adding in, um, sub symptom threshold tension block repeaters. Mm-hmm. Um, but usually we would use a tin and measure like where their pain occurs. And then we go to a certain percentage of that. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, so what about what about climbing so yeah once um you know they're like doing well with some of the other stuff when we go back to climbing there's a lot of education we have to do about that so we talked about it briefly but you don't want to do any down climbing so that eccentric load actually puts more load through the pulley mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and like one thing that i see especially with young climbers with pulley injuries is that you know, and by young, I mean young climbing age, yeah. right? Um, like they haven't been climbing for, for a lot of years. Um, I find that, that people often fall into a pattern of crimping everything, Yeah. right? And so um, building that open, like using a pulley injury as an opportunity to build that open strength um, create those movement options is something that we often talk about. Yeah, in, in, it's like in, movement variability, right? Yeah, like making sure that that you have multiple options for for loading in that situation, right? Um, but but very often we'll we'll start people back to climbing with like more focusing more on open climbing or like if you're in a gym, for example, um, I've been able to get people climbing really hard still, but just identifying like especially on a spray wall right you can make really hard problems and just keep your um, injured hand say it's your left left you know third a a two right yeah um you know just 
make those moves pulley friendly, yeah. right? <laughs> um, it's a good extra challenge. <laughs> t- totally, yeah, and and um, and keeping it transitioning from there when we're actually getting them crimping and half crimping again in a um, climbing scenario. Um, one tactic that I'll often use is like hand hovers to keep them from being um, too dynamic off the start, yeah. right? When they first start get back, getting back into climbing, they're like, okay, I can crimp again. This is great. And they're, yeah. they're like <laughs> psyched. And then people start climbing dynamically and mm-hmm. shock loading, right? Yeah. And so to reduce that um, speed of loading aspect, I'll often have people do like, hand hovers for for like moves that they know are going to be a crimp or a half crimp position right um and what about h taping like yeah so i always have like my honestly so i've done a lot of testing on my clients and um when like using tindex and i haven't found a huge difference between h tape and circumferential tape now the research does show that like h taping is superior um you know i find a lot of people find it really finicky and my tendency is if like something gets finicky people are less likely to do it (laughs) and so so i often just like err on the side of saying like hey if if you're going to err on the side of not taping, which isn't the option, like you should be taping at least for like several months, mm-hmm. um, even after you're back to climbing, sort of like it's been shown that it can give you this this extra little buffer zone. It's not going to make a break whether you, whether you, you know, blow up pulley dynamically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it does give you this extra buffer zone to, uh, to play with, right? Yeah. Um, like it's not injury preventative, like you shouldn't be taping all of your fingers all the time, but, <laughs> um, but it definitely gives you a little bit of extra breathing room mm-hmm. when you're graduating back to climbing. Yeah. I think the important thing is, is like when you first do it too, just making sure it's not like a license to pull super hard. Yeah. That's what I remind people. <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. Um, and I guess we just have, um, people look out too, like if they've done too much, they could have some slight like swelling or their range of motion will be decreased mm. um, or they'll have pain. So we don't want any of those to happen after any of our loading oh. sessions for pulleys. Right. So key things, kind of education around down climbing, education around half crimping, full crimping. Dynamic. Um, and avoiding dynamic moves. Um, initially returning with, um, you know, starting out, starting out with like from a loading perspective with, you know, uh, individual finger isometrics in an open and then progressing to a half crimp position. Um, as those half crimp isometrics are, are pain-free, we often will uh, transition people into uh, half crimp or crimp repeaters. Mm-hmm. Um, and at which point, generally, people will be able to begin returning to climbing in a more meaningful manner um, using some of those like static um, sort of hand hover type movements when they are climbing, um, you know, on, on crimps and such. And, you know, obviously in the, uh, in, in the long term, we need to get people doing sort of like recruitment pull intensity and um, kind of, you know, speed drills as well to build up that confidence in their ability to do it as opposed to like, all right, I'm going to go for it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's like going for it and knowing that you're going to be okay, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, 
the final piece that I would add, I suppose, is that I definitely have had clients where I need to kind of do this kind of contrived single finger um, repeater type scenario. Um, and just some people's finger anatomy with like typical tension block or other other non-anatomical hangboard type scenarios, um, they're not or they're very easily able to avoid cranking on their injured finger and they mm-hmm. are able to pull quite hard and think that they're ready yeah. when really they haven't actually been um, consistently, progressively um, overloading and allowing for adaptation yeah. of that tissue. That makes sense. Um, cool. So let's let's move on to um, the tenosynovitis then. So management of the of tenosynovitis. Yeah, I think uh, the most important thing to start off with with this would be education. So we need to stop whatever's irritating, kind of creating that swelling in the area mm-hmm. or in like the fluid. So we talk a lot about like limiting compression or friction on that area, whether that's in their climbing or their everyday life. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like the main thing I always start with. Yeah, so I mean, that could be carrying groceries. It's, yeah. it's like pretty direct compression, right? Or like yeah. a heavy briefcase or, or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, There's so many things in daily life. And even if like I have a lot of patients that also like go to the gym and climb, um, mm-hmm. like do a lot of like weight training and those dumbbells are so much compression on the area. Totally, yeah. Yeah, so so definitely making those, those lifestyle modifications, um, you know, we talked about it a bit earlier, like identifying whether someone falls into that sort of hypermobile category mm-hmm. and like discussing the idea of um, kind of more active drag positions, building that sort of um, less passive approach to, to open hand climbing. Yeah. Right. Um, and then we want to get some movement through the fluid, right? Some like compression and flushing of it. Mm-hmm. So I'll often um, start with some like open isometrics. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely getting a little bit of kind of compression and contractile force through Mm -hmm. that area. Um, Even uh, I I like using this as a good example of where I do um, use a lot of uh, tendon gliding Mm -hmm. to help flush things out. Um, Now, again, similar to what I was saying before, like we want to be cautious of like that sort of full grip position. If you're squeezing too hard into those positions, it can kind of add a little bit if in a more acute scenario can add mm-hmm. a little bit of extra compression and irritation um, or in a hypermobile person that extended um, finger position that open position of of tendon gliding can be a problem right so yeah. hypermobile people this can be compressive um, people who are like really aggressively squeezing <laughs> into these positions yeah. um, or flowing between the two um, can be adding a little bit more fuel to the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, we really just want to be getting some some light, um, active movement through that area. Um, yeah. The other thing you could do is some like taping with like coband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So coband tape if, um, is is this like that stretchy sort of foam like tape um, that sticks to itself and and definitely you know adding coband. Um, it, it, it's I mean it's stretchy in and of itself but basically what you're adding is you're adding some direct compression and then when you move that joint it's creating a pump like effect like yeah. an intermittent compression even more so than the movement itself right mm-hmm. so I'm a big fan of coban tape for uh, for the tennis um, 
as as well as for like a capsulitis as well. Yeah. Right. Let's go more into that next time. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think yeah, just for the sake of time, I think we'll yeah. we'll dive maybe do a do a um, a chat independently on that. Yeah. Um, I think one more thing uh, for the <clears throat> management would just be like you don't want to do any stability taping because that's just going to add compression or friction. Totally, which is a big differentiator between yeah. the two, right? Because if you're um, compression taping a pulley or you think it's a pulley and you're doing compression taping and it doesn't seem to be helping your strength or improving um, your uh, your numbers on the tin deck or your ability to pull on the, on the wall, um, that's, you know, that's something like we're talking about differentiators. Yeah. That in and of itself can be a really good um, kind of... It, yeah, differential tool, right? You know, give it a wrap, um, a really tight wrap, like at the you know A two pulley. Yeah. Right? If that's which pulley you think is is, is problematic, um, crank on it. Does that feel better, worse, or the same? If it feels the same or worse, yeah. um, we may be leaning more towards like a tennis invitus. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Think we missed anything? I mean, just the idea of like progressive loading in a uh, in in a tennis innovitis, and so um, definitely, um, you know, to keep people strong. Say they're in a point where they, you know, it's it's triggered enough that they need to take a, a short period of rest off. You know, most often we're able to kind of continue doing a little bit of loading in an open position, active mm-hmm. open position, um, and then. You know, as they're back to climbing, and say they're climbing a little bit more again, active open, um, we can be doing like <clears throat> similarly some, you know, keeping some muscular endurance going with some like sub symptom threshold um, repeater style stuff in yeah. like a half cramp position. Yeah. Right. Um, so those are just some general thoughts. But I find with tenosynovitis issues that. Um, once we've identified the factors, the compression, the, the friction issues um, that are that are influencing it, and getting people doing consistent, regular sort of range of motion drills that are non-provocative with mm-hmm. compression tape, um, it tends to sort of fall back into line pretty quickly. Yeah. As long as people don't go get overzealous with yeah. the climbing too the, quickly the times i feel like this lingers the most or it's the hardest to kind of deal with is when it's the jaw like their job causing mm. the compression and friction and totally. it's hard to limit so that's kind of like the major holdup i see on that yeah yeah absolutely cool well um i think that was really great jess um i hopefully that cleared up some sort of discrepancies that people had in their perspectives on on sort of finger injury management and pulleys versus tenosynovitis issues and um you know i think we'll kind of carry down this series of kind of climbing injuries and sort of breaking breaking things down pretty easily for people um but uh yeah i look forward to our next chat yeah have a good are you going outside now yeah i'm gonna go for a bike ride i think (laughs) well enjoy thanks